him. Let's pray again. Thank you, John and Mary Lou. Appreciate it. Lord, we, we see that you say, do not let your heart be troubled. And we do believe you. We believe in you. And yet there's, there's a lot, Lord, that, that we see going on in, in the world and, and for some of us in our personal lives. And we trust you yet. We thank You, Lord, that we could come before You. And we thank You, Lord, for the example that You gave us um, that we see here in Your Word of how You prayed. Uh, not only how You taught us to pray, but how you, you prayed in the moments where things were going well, where ministry was stretching You thin, as well as moments where you were facing the unbearable, uh, horrendous task that was set before you. And as you prayed, you continued to be willing to do the Father's will. Help us to do the same. Help us to be willing to do your will in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 17. Would you turn to John chapter 17 with me and, and follow along as we look at it's often called the high priestly prayer. And it's Jesus' intercessory prayer for his disciples. And those, as you read through it, as we read through it, not only the, his disciples, but the ones who would hear the word spoken by his disciples. And so subsequently, all generations of believers. Um, he prayed for the Father to be glorified. And we can say, well, he's praying that he'd be glorified, but it's interesting, I think it's mainly the Father, because the Father was going to be glorified through him. And so while we could have a little bit of a debate saying, well, he never prayed for himself, or he did pray for himself, I think it's pretty mute, because as he, his prayer for himself was for the Father as well. But uh, follow along as I read in John 17. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, or mankind, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have, have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours." And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. 
I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me, and I guarded them. And not one of them perished but the son of perdition, so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world for their sakes. I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you, belo- you loved me before the foundation of the world." O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. You know, this prayer happened sometime either still in the upper room or after, because in 1431... Jesus said, get up, let us go from here. Now that could be them gathering up to go, and then Jesus begins to pray, but there's a couple of chapters there of his teaching. And so I would think that as they're walking along, he's teaching, and then he goes into a prayer after he said those things in verse in chapters 15 and 16. It says in verse 1, that he lifted his eyes to heaven and begin, began to pray. And then we see in, in chapter 18, verse 1, that it says that they crossed the Kidron to go to the garden on the other side. And so sometime in there, whether it's still in the room or on the way, Jesus teaches them in 15 and 16, and then he prays. And so maybe I may have in the past week said it was in the garden, but this is before he gets in the garden I would think that some of the things he prays here, he prays in a different way or, or there's some similar themes that he wants these things uh, for the Father and for the ones that the Father has given him, which are his beloved, the church, those who believe in him. And 
It's fascinating. At this moment in time, not only do we see his concern in, from the beginning of chapter 13 all the way here to 17 is for his disciples and for him fulfilling the will of the Father. His love for the Father and his love for us is tremendous. Know that you are loved. Know that He intercedes for you. And so when we look at this passage, we, we can say that we should live confidently because we know that Jesus intercedes and has interceded for us. It reminds me of this passage here in Romans 8. In Romans 8, 33-34, it says, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Now that whole passage is wonderful, Okay. Many of us love this passage, but notice here, it says, God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So know that you are loved. And even if we fail to pray for one another, we have one who intercedes on our behalf. We should intercede for one another. We should pray for one another. But no, someone greater is praying for us. The Lord Jesus. In the midst of the most difficult times of our lives, know that He's not only in your life and cares deeply for your, your greatest hurts, but He is interceding for you. You are loved. There are two key blessings in this prayer. There's prayer for revealed glory in verses 1 through 5. And I really did not break this evenly. <laughs> this passage. I did not. But, but notice, uh, it is a blessing to know how great God is. And here we see, and in, in throughout really the whole passage, that there's a prayer for, for the revealed glory of God. Jesus prays that, that the Father's glory would be revealed and that His glory would be revealed because when He, he is revealed, then the Father is revealed. So that God would be glorified. And this is something that we ought to be desiring to see is that God would be glorified in everything we think, say, and do. Sometimes glory or glorified is difficult to understand. It's used in several different ways because we know that, that when Jesus hung on the cross as He died that his glory was seen in the sense of, of His love, of His forgiveness, of all the things that, that He was displaying in dying for us. And then we also know that when He appeared to the disciples, He appeared in all His glory in His glorified body. So the word can be somewhat confusing, right? But His body was perfected. And so for me, sometimes I think of glory is to see the full perfection 
of God or the attributes of God and someday our bodies will be glorified and it will be perfected. There will be no hindrances. It, for me, it, it helps to think about kind of like your tarnished silver. Wait, nobody has silver anymore, right? It's probably worth something now. But anyway, a mirror or I did ride my motorcycle yesterday and I hit the first bug on my, my nice little wind breaker. I can't think right now. Anyway, windows. Your windows get tarnished by bugs and stained and sometimes, and if I take my glasses off, you guys are all just a bunch of blobby, uh, fuzzy blobs. Maybe that's a better word. Yeah. Hey, how did church go today? Yeah, pastor called me a fuzzy blob. But when I put these on, I see, clearly see. And I think that is a part of glory is to make something clearly seen or be able to clearly see it without any imperfections. And for God, His perfect attributes should be seen, but we're in this world where it's hard, even as we study the Word, even if you were the, the greatest biblical scholar ever, it is hard to see the full glory of God, and it's hard to then declare the full glory of God. And so the revealed glory is that people would see the great perfections of God or hit how all his holy attributes, um, how great those holy attributes are, okay? But, you know, it's also to magnify those. But, but the only way that someone would come to the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when Jesus is glorified, he's really also praying that the Father would be glorified. And so in these first five verses, there's a lot more to it, but I think it's important for us to understand that, that Jesus is wanting, that Jesus is praying for that through him, people would see how great the Father is, and that we who are his would be drawn closer to him and that we would see and experience as was promised eternal life, which wasn't going to happen until Jesus died to pay for the penalty of our sins. Well, it was promised and so it is there, but then Jesus still had to do it. And so granting us Granting the disciples, granting all who believe eternal life is a part of God being glorified and a part of Jesus being glorified. And we look in this passage, the hour had come. In this moment of, of great stress, of, of, of horrendous difficulty, right? Jesus knew the severity of following through with what he was supposed to do what the Father wanted him to do. And so he's praying that he would go through with what the plan was, which was going to be painful, horrendous, even terrifying. So Jesus here in verse 4, notice, Jesus has glorified the Father by doing his will and accomplishing the work 
that the Father had given him to do, but going on and suffering and dying and finishing the work that the Father had given him to do. We also see, and I'm going to touch just a little bit more on this reality that eternal life would be given if, when, (laughs) because it was, the Father was glorified. Here we find there's glory in His authority. And we see glory given to Jesus because Jesus has authority But not only that, and verse 5 is interesting. Now, Father, glorify me together with Yourself, with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Jesus had given up some of His glory or the presence of being with the Father, of that good perfection of relationship with the Father. And interestingly enough, when He was going to die on the cross, there would be a breaking of that. The Father would pour out His wrath upon the Son. But here we see that Jesus is longing for that renewed fellowship and actually His his presence with the Father and the glory that was His before He added humanity. But He had to add humanity. He had to come. He had to live. He had to die so that He could gain this perfect authority because of what He has done that He would die and He would conquer death and therefore usher eternal life into those who would believe in Him, not eternal death. And so He was looking forward to all the blessings of this reunification maybe with the Father and with the glory He had before He had come. But there is glory in the eternal life that He gives. The Lord receives glory for His power to give eternal life as well right isn't that awesome that isn't that magnificent to see that jesus has power we know he has power right when we celebrate easter we're going to say praise the lord he is risen right he is risen And so we will proclaim the reality that he has conquered the grave and he has this power We also see His love. But because He has His power, He has this authority. And therefore, we can praise Him in all of these perfections. But we find here that there is glory in those who are His as well. As you go throughout this whole passage, that He receives, the Lord Jesus and the Father receives glory for those who are kept in their love. But we, His children, His loved ones, are blessed to glorify Him today and every day. And I wonder, how do we do that, right? How do we glorify Him? Well, first, we should speak of His perfections. We should speak of His perfections. Therefore, we should also sing of His perfections, which we do every Sunday, right? And other times when we're doing Bible studies, we may not sing, but we will speak of His perfections. Hopefully we're willing to speak of His perfections as we're talking to others in our community and our family. And family is sometimes the hardest, right? If they don't know the Lord especially, it is very hard to speak of His perfections. And you're saying, well, what do you mean? Well, maybe the attributes of God, but also what Jesus has done to redeem us, what Jesus has done to save us, what He has done upon the cross. And the reality 
reality of who he is. He's conquered the grave. He is the Lord God. And he has saved us. And so we should, if we're going to glorify him, we should sing, but we should proclaim the reality of what Jesus has done for us. But also another way that we glorify him is we trust in him because he is perfect, even in the midst of the difficulties, right? And we see past We can see past the world's blurring of him to see how really great he is. Nobody wants me driving down the highway without my glasses on. And if we don't keep Christ first in our lives, it's like you're driving down the highway half blind. And so in order to give him glory, don't drive down the highway half blind. That is, keep a biblical perspective. Have a biblical worldview about everything that comes your way. And also, another way we can glorify him is to seek to make known the greatness. His greatness. And how we live. Not only have that biblical worldview, but live in a way that will bring him honor. You know, I remember uh, a funeral that I did for a very godly man from Ellesmere, a really good friend who loved prophecy. And so in some of his funeral, I gave prophecy, but also I hope and I pray and I believe I accurately proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and talked about how someone can truly believe in the Lord and have eternal life. And my father-in-law had worked many years, and that's why we were in Dunning, but my father-in-law had worked many years in, in Thedford, and the story is, was related to me that he was talking to someone who didn't realize he was my father-in-law, and he said, well, I don't really care for that preacher. I don't agree with what he said specifically about that one funeral. And we may do really good at proclaiming, or maybe not. I'm not saying I'm perfect in how I proclaim the message. But we may do very well in in proclaiming the gospel to someone, and they may still reject the gospel, and they may reject us. Right? But our goal is to glorify Him. And so in all of this, we have to begin with prayer. And we need to be praying that we will live for the Lord in a way that will bring Him honor and glory, that would reflect how great He is. And then we need to proclaim the truth. We can live confidently. We can live confidently in Him. Because we know He's continuing to pray for us that we would do what He has done to live in obedience. The second blessing is prayer for perseverance of his loved ones. And the rest of the chapter here, we'll just run through a couple of of things that Jesus prayed. Look at verse 11 and 12. He prayed for protection. 11 and 12, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name. He wants them to remain Faithful followers. That there is protection. Jesus was going to leave, leave and he guarded them in verse 12. Except, except for the, 
the son of perdition. But he wants the disciples to continue on proclaiming the message. Verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I mean, I wish the Lord Jesus would pray, hey, I don't want them to go through any difficulties whatsoever. Well, he'd take us out of the world. <laughs> That's just the reality. There's going to be problems. We're in this world. We didn't pray that we would be taken out of the world, or the disciples would. And I believe this is not only the disciples, but subsequent generations of believers. But in verse 15 and 16, he says, they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. There is a spiritual war, and I encourage you to read through this week. I didn't get time to write down things for you to do through the week. I don't know if you've been doing them. Remember the last couple weeks, there are some notes in your your insert to, to kind of go over during the week. But one of them would be to go through Ephesians 6, 10 and following and consider the spiritual warfare that's being waged. But Jesus prayed that we would be kept, the disciples would be kept from the evil one. That doesn't mean death, but it means the spiritual battle, battle that can rage would not affect them in such a way that they would not disbelieve. So protection from the evil one. And then in verse 13, notice verse 13 is interesting. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. The things that he spoke in the world was going could bring them joy, his joy, Jesus' joy. And he prays that they would have this joy and that we would have this joy. His joy is found in, look, verse 14, really in what he had already taught them, but also in his word, which is the same thing, right? His joy is found in him, not in the things of this world. His joy is found in obeying him. Not only knowing the word, but doing it, living it out. Then he prays, and, and there's many things that many truths that we're going to miss today. Okay, but these are a couple key ones for you. But that they and we would be sanctified in truth. What is truth? God's word is truth. Verse seventeen, right? But we are to be set apart in truth, so we must know His Word. Jesus prays that we are set apart. But not only set apart, set apart for His glory. Set apart to do His will. Set apart to live like Jesus, right? To be like Him. In a world that does not understand. And corporations, right? Pay attention a little bit to the news. Corporations that, that say something totally counter and stand up for something totally counter to the Word of God. Now, there's people in those corporations that do not believe that way. The silent majority, pray for them. But we are set apart to live out the gospel in our lives and the truth of the Word, obeying the Word of God. And therefore, we must know Him more and more, that is, we need to know His Word and we need to spend time in prayer 
allowing His Word and His Holy Spirit to guide and direct us, right? And finally, oh, I'm not going through these, sorry. Finally, in verse 20 through 26, unity. We see unity that really it's, he talks and prays about relationship. Relationship of the Son and the Father in unity. This is a godly relationship for the Son and Father to be united together. He prays about our relationship with Him, which also places us in a relationship with the Father. Our relationship with Him, which places us in a relationship with other perfect people in the church. Are we perfect? No. Thank you all for loving me. Even when I'm not that lovable. And I hope that you're loving one another, covering difficult things over with love, but being willing to forgive one another, being willing to put up with one another, being willing to care for one another. And go above and beyond for one another. But our relationship with Him places us in a relationship with other believers and it places us into a a united front, hopefully. And it should. But the love of the Father to the Son is to give us to Him. That's a fascinating concept in this passage is that the Father is showing some of the way the Father shows His love for Jesus, for His Son, is that He gives us, the church, the bride of Christ, to His Son. And He ensures that we, true believers, not just a little group of believers gathering together on Sunday, but all believers throughout the world, throughout time, who have believed in Him, are given to Him. God the Father shows His Son the, His love in that we are given to Him. You are loved and you are a display of the Father's love to the Son. I think that's fascinating. You are a love gift. Did you know that? You are a love gift. And so, because of that, we can live confidently for Him. We should live confidently for Jesus, knowing He intercedes for us and that we are loved by Him. And to live confidently means we know our relationship with Him and we know His authority, we know His power, we know He will through all His authority and power enable us to do all He has commanded, not just ensure our salvation, our eternal salvation, but to ensure that we're able to do what He has commanded us. And so there's a couple of applications that we we can make. Confidence means obedience when we look at this passage. That we can obey Him. Are you willing to obey Him? Confidence should lead you to pray. And know that He values your prayer and He uses your prayer 
just as Jesus' prayer is used. Confidence means that you will proclaim. You will proclaim in how you live the reality of God's love for you. Did that make sense? You will live in grace and truth. You will live in a way that reflects, reflects God's love, but also the standards that God has set forth. Biblical standards, not the world standards. And then we proclaim with our mouths the reality of who Jesus is and what He has done, even when people will not believe. We proclaim and we pray we should worship Him in prayer and in proclamation. We could, should recognize in prayer and proclamation how great He is. And we should intercede for others in prayer. And so let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank You that not only are You interceding for us, but we find also in that Romans passage that Your Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf in, in ways that we cannot comprehend. And that You know us better than we know ourselves. But You have called us to Yourself not to just live a life that we want to live, but You have called us to to live for You and to proclaim um, how great You are and Your great Gospel to others. Ask, Lord, that You would help each one as, as we go out the rest of this new month to live out who we are in You and to know what to say and how to say it boldly to others so that they understand Your great love and Your great grace. That they would too believe in you. But Lord, as, as each one of us goes out and as we face difficulties, help us and help each one here to know how to respond or how to act in the midst of those difficulties to, to reflect how great you are and our love for you. Help us to, in the good moments as well, be humble and point to you and it is that only by your grace that we're able to do what we're able to do. Lord, in every situation, may you be glorified as we, as we walk uh, the dusty roads of this sin-stained world. We ask that you'd give us wisdom and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is, is the first day, uh, or first Sunday of the month, and so um, please remember to pray.